Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The takeaway to them is that they are seeing an end to their livelihoods. Uh, what what do you say to them, particularly those people who who President Trump struck a chord with on the campaign trail when he promised to save their jobs? What is your message to them right now? With respect to uh, those workers, the President of the United States has expressed in every comment he has made about uh, climate the need to. Uh, grow the new jobs that pay better, that are oh, cleaner. That I mean, the new jobs. You know, you look at the consequences of black lung for a miner, for instance, and measure <laughs> that against the fastest growing job in the United States before COVID was solar power technician. We're going to talk about environmental justice communities that have been left behind and build equity as a fundamental consideration in everything we do. Because after all, those are the communities that have been marginalized and overburdened by pollution. And they're in the crosshairs of not just climate change, (laughs) but COVID-19. We owe investments to those communities and we're going to deliver them. The assistant, uh, John Kerry's assistant environmental czar, uh, I believe just saw my mother down to Moolah's. I'm not sure. That's what it seems like. That is Gina McCarthy, the new hero of the left. Gina McCarthy is... What is Gina McCarthy? What is her situation here? Her official title... I'll tell you what it is. I know her, it's a big day Her official for title is uh, National Climate Advisor... National Climate Advisor... Uh, Gina McCarthy, that is it. Exactly. And so that's right. It's a big day for Boston because uh, the Brahmin, John Kerry, and the kid from Dorchester, <laughs> Gina McCarthy, are now uh, both installed in this White House, making sure there's climate justice wherever they can do it. <laughs> so there we go. That was that. And that is uh, where we are. Let me tell you something. If you've got a job in the energy industry, uh, the fossil fuel part of the energy industry you cannot feel good about what you heard today this is all of the right code words saying that saying that um 
that um, your job and livelihood is in trouble, uh, we heard today. And we'll start with that question you heard from the reporter saying, what do you say to people since you're going to be changing over, cutting down, supplanting good fossil fuel jobs, what do you say to those people who are going to lose a job? The, the takeaway to them is that they are seeing an end to their livelihoods. Uh, what what do you say to them, particularly those people who, who President Trump struck a chord with on the campaign trail when he promised to save their jobs? What is your message to them right now? And also to the oil industry executives who are listening, are you putting them on notice today? Well, we didn't come here to put anybody on notice except to the seriousness of uh, President Biden's intent to uh, do what needs to be done to deal with this crisis. And it is a crisis. Um, with respect to uh, those workers, no, <laughs> no two people are more uh, in this room are more concerned about it. And the president of the United States has expressed in every comment he has made about uh, climate the need to... Uh, grow the new jobs. That We're growing new jobs. Oh, oh, oh by the way, Alice, oh, you, I need you. Um, I need the audio from you. I wasn't recording in time. Okay. I'm so, recording. So we're record. We're growing new jobs. That's oh, what's good. happening. When can so we expect those to ripen and blossom? The those jobs, jobs that they have right now in the communities that they've grown to love, where they have all the ties and all the uh, the social uh, currency uh, there uh, right now. There, those jobs that they have are going to be deleted, and in their place, in the same geography, new thriving industries are going to appear already. That's good. Regardless wow. of what the market is asking for, <laughs> thriving industries. Simply, you won't even notice it. You won't even notice it. As John Kerry said, uh, as you'll hear soon, you know, you were making Beamers one day, the next day you're making Teslas. You won't even notice. It's the same thing. Is that kind of like how um, with the, the venture capital food company, like one day you're making... Mr. Beast Burgers, and the next day you're making Tiger Chicken Nuggets, and the next day you're making Rye Carry Cookies. You just make what the corporate overlords oh. tell you is the thing to make. Although, Don't at complain. least that's market-driven. Don't people get are, creative. People, at least that's market-driven. People are eating food right. and will need it. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't mean that the, the booming um, solar panel industry... It is not an equal playing field necessarily, and it may not be in the demand that you think it is, especially when throwing money away to these dumb green startups who have influence uh, right. in, in the White House. And right now they do, because Gina McCarthy's in there right now, and John Kerry, John Davos Kerry is in there right now. Mm -hmm. And you can believe people have been giving him their business cards for quite a while. Pay better, they're cleaner. They're, I mean, you know, you look at the consequences. They, how condescending is, is this? We're going to get you a new job. It's going to be better. It's going to pay better for you. It's a cleaner job. You should be – listen here, dummy. <laughs> I understand I understand that you think the job you have right now working in oil or in a fracking place on federal land is a good job that pays well. So, no, 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 no. These are much more noble jobs. You'll be able to sleep better at this night. This is a black lung for a miner, for instance, and measure that against the fastest growing job in the United States before COVID was solar power technician. The same people can do those jobs, but the choice of doing the solar power one now is a better choice. Step right up here and I'll show you an old job, a black lung job. You don't want those people, do you? No. We have brand spanking new jobs for you. Clean well, we did. We did before COVID anyway. We don't but know if we have them now, but. It's, but it's incredible. <laughs> the, you know, rolling in you know, charlatan uh, 
approach that this guy has. You know, we know what's better for you. We've got something better for it's government's coming to town. We've never screwed anything up. <laughs> Government is not just somehow forcing them into these new, easily transitionable jobs that are everywhere. Right. They're everywhere. But government is also doing the favor because of your black lung of euthanizing your old job. Right. I mean, they do know that if there were market demand for these services, that companies were free to, you know, make solar panels before today. Right. And that people were free to choose different jobs. No one was forcing them to be coal miners. They chose that job over the other available options to them. So if they're still a coal miner, it means that they didn't have another option. So, you know, I don't know what the timeline is for the appearance of the new jobs, the clean, good jobs. Oh, it's instant. But- <laughs> it's instant. Just add water. I assume uh, there's going to be some kind of, you know, mortgage payment moratorium in the meantime. So if you're a coal miner or a Keystone Pipeline builder that got laid off this week that, you know, then you'll still be able to pay your bills while you wait for the new job to appear. Is there any plan in place? You're not seeing the forest through the trees, Alice. The second fastest growing job pre-COVID was wind turbine technician. This- now, hold on. Now, hold on. This is classic sneaky doublespeak. The second, second fastest growing job pre-COVID mm-hmm. was wind turbine technician. Well, I assume so because we're going from about eight to 8,000. In the last few years, because wind right. turbines pop up wherever there are government subsidies in attractive uh, carrots uh, dangled in front of people to put them up there. Right. So it's wind turbine, million percent wind turbine technicians for outside of uh, Massachusetts, when we build our little wind farm in Cape Cod, if it's not already built, those jobs, you're right, are going to be a thousand percent growth. Right. Because there used to be two people building wind turbines and now there's, you know, a couple thousand of them. So it seems like a ton of growth. Yeah. But that doesn't mean there's enough jobs for all the people that got laid off from you ending the Keystone Pipeline this week. You know? No. And also the tricky math is, you know, um, that's why the percentage of the wind turbine jobs went from eight to 8,000 the last four years with government stick. But the the reason why the fracking jobs haven't grown that much as a percentage is because it's being saturated because it's a boom town out there and people are employed all over the place and enjoying the fruits of fracking Mm -hmm. everywhere. This is crazy. This is absolutely. Remember, you voted for Lunch Bucket Joe. Mm-hmm. This is elitist wealth transfer. That's exactly what this is. And these wolves, you know, dressed as boring, calcified old Boston Brahmin people, or, or uh, you know, Dorchester, uh, uh, De shopping folks. These wolves are dangerous. They are dangerous. They live in coastal elite cities. And they look down on these folks, and they are much more interested in their noble green experiment than the day-to-day lives of freaking Walmart shoppers, where they would never deign to go. What is happening? 75%, 70% of all the electricity that's come online in the United States in the last few years came from renewables. Also tricky. Mm -hmm. Also tricky. That's come online in the last few years. I would like to see the percentage of... How much electricity in generated power has been wasted or passed right through as we've no way to store it whatsoever? Right. We, the market is deciding what we need for energy right now because we drive combustion engines. Is it multiple? What's it called? Fuel combustion? 
Internal combustion? Internal combustion engines, that's right. We still rely on those things right now. I mean, we were moving to pipelines in some instances, but that's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't have that. The market is, this is not a luxury. This isn't us, you know, taking a Sunday drive around the, uh, you know, in the in the Berkshires. This is commerce. This is mm-hmm. transportation. This is commuting. This, these are things that we need. And to, to roll this, have this experiment when we're also energy independent for once. Now, during the pandemic, that's the best thing. Is not only do they have the audacity to do it during the t- pandemic, mm-hmm. but they say it's more needed because of the pandemic. Right. Right. It's the same thing. It always is that when you tell them, you know, that we shouldn't be getting rid of plastic grocery bags because it hurts more vulnerable people that have to now, you know, carry around grocery bags when they walk to the grocery store or whatever. It, and it, it, that the other solutions aren't practical for people. Paper bags that break or the, the plastic bags that you have to use 150 times to have account for one regular plastic grocery bag in terms of the how much carbon it needs to make it like every time you point out to them that it's annoying and impossible and affects the lives of regular people they go well it's actually though it's more needed for you because as a vulnerable person you don't realize that climate justice actually is a very important issue for you and it's just you don't see all the ways that it's affecting you know minority populations or economically disadvantaged people you know you don't see how the the plastic grocery bag is actually deeply ruining your life that you didn't think about because you're just a dumb poor person you know it's always it's always the same it's always for our own good not you know coal plants have been closing over the last 20 years so uh, what president biden wants to do is make sure those folks have better choices, that they have alternatives, that they can be the people who go to work to make the solar panels. They were making them here at home. That is going to be a particular focus. So since the coal industry uh, is dying and has been for the last 20 years, what we're going to do to the aging, flailing coal industry, the beleaguered coal industry, is push it off a cliff. And then what's left of those people... We're going to force it off the cliff artificially because we feel that there's a climate crisis that calls for this. So what we're going to do is upend people's lives right now in those fledgling industries who barely have a voice anyway. In those towns that are depressed as hell already, that are dealing with the COVID stuff and dealing with a spiked economy and dealing with opioid crisis and all these other things. And we're going to push you off the cliff and guarantee you, because we're the government and we would never screw this up, guarantee you that there's a brand new job coming right online right now. Dangerous stuff. They they pulled this crap eight years ago with Obama in that um, and um, in all of the green uh, experimental jobs uh, in the startups that um, the seven hundred eighty seven billion dollars spending package, Obama's huge bailout, um, was supposed to uh, cultivate into a growing industries. Remember, Joe Biden was put in charge. Of that $787 billion, the spending package, during the Obama administration. Because nobody messes with Joe. So he'd make sure that the money went to good companies that were uh, on the up and up, that were operating uh, you know, in, in the positive, and that would only grow and create and sustain more jobs. Let's look at a few of these. Let's see. Uh, the administration fast-tracked $535 million in a loan to startup solar and energy company Solyndra. You remember Solyndra? 
Obama did a couple of campaign appearances there. It's had thousands of jobs. Uh, an investor in that company was also an, a major Obama Obama donor. That's a coincidence, obviously. Obviously, by 2011, Solyndra, with their 535 million dollars, had gone bankrupt. A green battery maker named A123 received nearly 250 million dollars and went bankrupt. Remember, Biden's in charge of all this. A bound solar received 400 million dollars. Uh, they went bankrupt. Beacon Power received 43 million dollars in Department of Energy stimulus. They went bankrupt. Bankrupt. NR1 uh, received 118.5 million dollars. They also went bankrupt. According, uh, only around 15 percent of that money that Joe Biden was in charge of went to shovel-ready projects. Most of the remaining billions were thrown at entitlement programs and impotent schemes like cash for clunkers. This is from a, something that I wrote on the subject a little bit more. And the jobs never came. The jobs never came. The artificial planting of these synthetic, uh, you know, industries, it, it doesn't quite work like that. There has to be market demand for this stuff or they're just complete and total losers. And for you to simply supplant these um, jobs where there is market demand for the products being sold and manufactured with these experiment, fun, clean, green ventures, these gambles, is irresponsible. It's irresponsible anytime because it deals with people's lives and livelihoods, entire communities, and especially this time because we're in the damn pandemic, which I'm told is something very serious, but they don't seem to think it's serious because this is simply Obama 2.0 that's happening here. Well, right, and I'd add that the technology actually needs to be there too, besides the demand. I mean, like people can want magical energy solutions that don't hurt the environment and are cost effective, but if you, if they, if we don't, have the technology to make those things happen then then it, it never comes to anything you know what i mean like look at the stupid tesla solar roof thing it's it, he's made the prototypes and put it the the beta test of it on a couple houses in california but like you know that that was years ago that he came out with the idea of the solar roof tiles that look like a regular roof, and uh, it doesn't exist still yet. You still can't buy it because they haven't been able to make it. So, you know, like so that's a good that's a good example. So right. if you if you have your business proposal out and you say I think that my solar roof tiles in this community in this um, uh, region will generate ten thousand jobs. Uh, will save us this much mm -hmm. money for the grid, et cetera, yada, yada, and do this much green carbon savings, et cetera. And you projected that within 10 years. Well, now it's been 20 years. And you don't have any of it. Then the jobs go away. And Right. You have to be able to actually make the thing happen. Like, there can be demand all day. You know, Elon Musk had people signing up, and I think you can still sign up. You give them $1,000, and you end up on the waiting list so that when they're actually producing solar roofs, they can put one on your house. But, you know, like, they're, they're going to have to either come out with a way to do it or get back that money eventually because there's no, you know, these things. It's, all, it's great when AOC says we're going to have technology that replaces whatever and we'll give everybody all the jobs. But, like, somebody has to come up with that technology. It doesn't just come out of thin air. Right. And people need to want it. Right. So, But, I mean, I think people are okay with it people in have theory. Been, people like, have been foisting the solar thing on us, Alice, since the late 70s. Right. I remember when the Museum of Science had solar panels put on it. The solar panels were put on Jimmy Carter. It mm -hmm. was the day. In 1979, it was the absolute power of the future. Absolutely. Solar panels. 
soccer in the United States, and the metric <laughs> system. We're all things. We're all going to be, you know, things of the future, and they always will be things of the future. Because mm-hmm. there is simply is not enough space. There's not enough space on the land right now to make solar run the country. You can do little combinations of all of the above. You right. know, you can supplement with, with wind, etc. But all of the above also has to include <laughs> nuclear, or it's a non-starter. Which shows you that all of this is disingenuous. It's not about the solar, the green, right. the feel good. Right. I mean, by the way, most of our reduction in carbon usage in the United States has come because of fracking. So right. That's why we've gotten so much greener over the years is because we've we've moved so much to fracking, which China hasn't, by the way. But <laughs> but we've actually, you know, improved for the time being. But those yeah. will be supplanted as well mm-hmm. because they're they use the, the impetus is always that it's ecologically damaging, harmful. Right. But the same people who have a problem with that and have a problem with the nuclear power also don't want wind turbines near them. So, Well, right now they don't want to at a murmur. It'll be a roar as soon as they're established, right. if they're established. But they're listened to and they have somehow, they have, uh, they've got power in the, in the party. I think that, that unfortunately workers have been fed a false narrative. No surprise, right, for the last few years. They've been fed... Uh, the notion that somehow dealing with climate is coming at their expense. No, it's not. What's happening to them is happening because of other market forces already taking place. A few days after the Keystone Pipeline, (laughs) he says that with a straight face. Yeah. Destroyed livelihoods like that. It might look like we pulled your permit and you got fired, but actually it was just other mysterious market It was a market factor. (laughs) There's simply no market for oil to go from Canada to the Gulf. There's no market to deliver it there. Nobody uses oil anymore, so we had to delete you. And you believed you've been fed misinformation, you idiots, by this last guy, Trump, who told you that you were important and needed and worth something. No, 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 no. With the financiers, uh, the big banks, the asset managers, private investors, venture capital are all discovering is there's a lot of money to be made in the creation of these new jobs. This blows me away. Mm -hmm. This is incredible. This is he's trying to, you know, hit the argument from several different angles, right. you know, to convince us. So if that didn't convince you or the fact that they've been Republicans have been lying to him for years. How about this? Wall Street loves them. Yeah. Wall Street loves these jobs. They love them because uh, the federal government is about to pour a bunch of money into it. And right. Wall Street likes money. <laughs> right. But I thought that Wall Street was bad and Main Street was good. But Wall Street is now good again. Yeah. Well. Go figure. You're going to be hearing a lot more of that too. By the way, have you have you been following the whole um, GameStop? We'll get to excitement? that. We will get to that because I'm going to need to. Um, okay. I'm going to need to to have my head clear for it <laughs> in these sectors. So whether it's green hydrogen that is going to come, whether it is whether it's green hydrogen that is going to come. Well, right now its predecessor we're going to delete, mm-hmm. but we're sure it will come. Yeah. Why not? So Unicorn- get ready to work in green hydrogen, everybody. Unicorns, whatever on that is, mills can power the energy right. grid for the future. It's gonna. I mean, why not? Why not? As long as we're fantasizing about technology that doesn't exist yet, let's go for it. Uh, uh, geothermal heat, whether it, whatever it's going to be, uh, <laughs> those are jobs. The same worker. Those are jobs. Geothermal heat. That's those are jobs. That's another one that's been around for decades and has refused to catch on. Yeah, they tried to sell us on that. This, uh, we this looked at it. It's um, it's really expensive. There's a lot of subsidies and stuff, but um, 
Those are jobs, Alice. It's really expensive, even with the subsidies. I mean, there is enough subsidies that it can be the numbers can be made to work. But we had enough stuff going on with our lead stuff on our yes, house. Yes, we're I using something called gas at the moment. Yeah, I those are wanna, jobs. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm, I didn't want to deal with applying to more loan programs and stuff. Yeah, I don't want somebody burying thing. an orb in the ground next to us, especially <laughs> since this house is so old. Who works in South Carolina today, putting together a BMW, which happens to be made there, and. And and um, is currently an internal combustion engine can put together a car, but it's electric. It's that easy. A car's a car. Who was it who was disparaging <laughs> farmers? Was it Hillary? Who said it's easy to be a farmer? You just plant the seeds. Just I want to say it was Bloomberg, maybe. Well, yes, it was. That's right. Mention that. Yeah. If you're an idiot who can build a Tesla, you could, your idiocy can be used on greener cars too. You won't even notice, stupid. <laughs> This is what, incredible. it has four it, wheels, it's the it, same it, and thing. I, and I love how these, how easy it is to transfer to these different jobs, to transition your life in a radical way, especially from a guy who has never had a single job in his entire life. Between Joe Biden, who other than fighting a black guy with a steel <laughs> chain at a, at a swimming pool, uh, John Kerry has not had a job in his life. He has not had an occupation, but he knows it's easy. It'll be easy enough for them to do it. That way I'll be I'll get a standing ovation in Davos. And it'll be also easier to take it from these two guys who have never worked for a living uh, if they weren't worth a billion dollars. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, and getting rich off this stuff themselves. I mean, like people complain about Dick Cheney making money with Halliburton or whatever. But, you know, the, the left makes money off their pet projects, too. Nancy Pelosi just bought a bunch of Tesla stock right before... Uh, Joe Biden declared that they were moving the entire federal fleet of vehicles over to electric cars. So, you know, they all Congress essentially all insider trades all the time. Yes, it's ridiculous. They're going to make a ton of money off this stuff. Wall Street's going to make a ton of money off it. Who knows if jobs will materialize or not? Maybe they will. Maybe there will be green energy. You obviously didn't understand the Brahmin tones of <laughs> of um, John Kerry explaining to you the Green <sighs> New Deal, the Green New Way Forward. So let's use, if that's something that doesn't connect with you, maybe the, from the streets of Dorchester, Alice, from Jod Ave, my new buddy, Gina McCarthy, will explain to you exactly what tomorrow looks like. Environmental justice, as well as an advisory council. It directs the Department of Health and Human Services to create an Office of Climate Change and Health Equity, because after all, climate change is the most significant uh, public health challenge of our time. Is there not a pandemic happening? I guess not. <laughs> I guess not. Climate change is the most significant health challenge of our time. Oh. I don't know. I keep missing the... Is there a mask I'm supposed to be wearing for that as well? I keep missing... I, I keep being told that we're about oh. to lose 500,000 pe- 500, people. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to me like a pretty big medical crisis, or else we wouldn't have the three-foot-five idiot uh, <laughs> you know, on every station every day telling us to wear six or seven masks. Well, right. I mean, I don't... For them to say this just gives away the game, obviously. Well, right. It's like, I mean... It's even more egregious. The biggest crisis ever on demand, see? It's even more egregious than the racism public health crisis that was happening this summer that was apparently worse than the pandemic, too. Right. So so we have the pandemic is now number three. It's second to both environmental justice and racism as the two biggest public health problems in America. 
and it tasked the Department of Justice with establishing an office of climate justice because we Jesus, holy hell. know the communities who are being hurt and we know we have to start enforcing the standards today and ensuring that they are part of the solution in the places that we can invest. I have I'm not a classist Alice and I've mm-hmm. worked among the people forever. Her voice in a particular accent sounds like many supervisors or people with more seniority than me who yelled at me for doing something wrong in many of the jobs I had in hotels. Mm-hmm. You know, you know no break down the coffee station first. No, you got to go to the other room. No, you guys can't t- don't touch the linens. Don't touch the linens. I need a 56 by 74 to t- t- a linen for this one. I need tea pins for the tables. You guys don't listen to me. You never listen. Sorry, Gina. Environmental justice, as well as an advisory council. It directs the Department of Health and Human Services to create an office of climate change and health equity. These are all make pretend things. Mm-hmm. These are make pretend elements. We have a make pretend administration right now. We're supposed to Go along and say, oh, yeah, then that, that makes sense. And the social justice equity and the equity and the intersectionality of the whole thing shows that finally inequities are going to be uh, addressed finally. And those all makes it all of it is BS. This is vomit is what this is. It is BS. Climate change is the most significant uh, public health challenge of our time. If it was, you wouldn't be putting this blowhard in charge of it. The stakes on climate change just simply couldn't be any higher than they are right now. Uh, Oh, God, you boob. Absolute (laughs) boob. It is existential. And you know what? And I know it's an old haggard thing and nobody likes to talk about it. But wouldn't you lead by example? Instead of out of climate change deleting 10,000 construction jobs on a pipeline per day, wouldn't you maybe get rid of a yacht? Maybe sell the private planes. Maybe not zip off to Davos every few months. Maybe not have a 104,000 square foot mansion, you know, in each of nine states. You know, wouldn't you pretend for a second? You know, actor Ed Begley Jr., he's been driving like green cars for 25 years. You know, even back when they got like a half a mile to the gallon. Mm-hmm. At least he at least he showed us that he was at humoring us at least yeah, William he humors. acted like he believed it right he's not but, buying oceanfront property like al gore as he's saying that the ocean is going to rise three feet in the next 10 years like okay we use that word too easily we throw it away but uh, we have a big agenda in front of us on a global basis you know he doesn't talk like this this is how somebody bloviating as a politician does because he's trying to add importance with intonation in the way he di- speaks he's an orator an important diplomatic politician mm-hmm. this is uh, a statesman that's what he is that's right mm-hmm. this is all fake not only is this the make pretend administration but this is all larping He's pretend. Maybe Gina McCarthy isn't pretending because I don't know how many people would glom onto that accent if they didn't have to. But this guy is a pretend dolt, which is why George Bush beat the hell out of him in the election. Because this guy, nobody knows somebody who acts like this for real. He's this Thurston Howell stuff, or you know, this this effete, you know, Harvard club, uh, you know, giving the, the uh, gin-soaked uh, keynote address voice. It's, it doesn't exist in, in Main Street. People don't know people who talk like this. And President Biden is deeply committed, totally seized by this issue, as you can tell by this executive order and, and by the other, uh, the initiative of getting back into Paris immediately. That's why he rejoined the Paris. 
Paris Climate Accords, getting right back into Paris immediately. It's an international place, a cosmopolitan international destination. You wouldn't know about it. <laughs> None of those slobs working the Keystone Pipelines go to any conventions in Paris. It's very important. I go to Paris. Biden knows Paris. I was Secretary of State. Agreement so quickly because he knows it is urgent. He also knows that Paris alone is not enough. Uh, not when almost 90 percent of all of the planet's emissions, global emissions, come from outside of U.S. borders. Is that not somebody else's problem? Uh, or does that make the case for not joining the Paris Climate Accord if it's everybody else who's the problem? Right. Why don't you take it up with India and China, and when you're done with them, you can come back to us on this fake Paris Accord, which never sees the light of day in the Senate anywhere because it's also just fake LARPing. Right. It's a non-binding, like, pretend thing everybody signed. Like, we're really going to try and use less fossil fuels, everybody. But it we makes people feel good, like John Kerry. So zero, that's zero tomorrow, and the problem isn't solved. So that's why today... We can go to zero tomorrow and the problem isn't solved? One week into the job, President Biden will sign this additional executive set of orders to help move us down the road, ensuring that ambitious uh, climate action is global in scope and scale, as well as... Jesus, God, you hear the way this guy speaks? Mm -hmm. It's just, let me fit as many words as possible into this sentence and take a noble step with each thing I say, rather than you know, transmit any cogent message to people this is bigger than that this is about me and my voice resonating using big words and mentioning international cities it's such blowhardness it's terrible it's terrible you know i've been to a lot of these these rubber chicken dinners whatever you call them with a lot of these blowhards and man you start watching the clock the moment they start talking say, jesus <laughs> there's only one person possibly their wives as well enjoying this but it is just about self-indulgence. That's all it is. And that's what this guy's doing. He's not saying anything anymore. This is horse bleep from a podium. He's not saying anything anymore. The national here at home. Today in the order that he will sign that Gina has described to you, uh, he makes climate central to foreign policy planning, to diplomacy, and to national security preparedness. It creates new... Man, China must be like, oh, this is going to be a good four years. <laughs> platforms to coordinate climate action across the federal agencies and departments sorely needed and most importantly it commissioned do you remember all the stories of the iranians laughing at this guy and just <laughs> running circles around him because they're like wow look at this western brahmin wannabe effete know-it-all dumbass <laughs> and they absolutely got everything they wanted from him oh yeah and you know what we'll take the um the cash from the Shah, too. We need that, too. Well, we'll see what the recompensatory uh, action can be taken in the name of uh, good-natured diplomacy, in the name of ongoing peace in the Middle East, in the name of sustaining a global vision for prosperity in which all can... And they must be like, oh, man, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> an idiot. I, had, I got his wallet. You got his watch, right? <laughs> uh, a national intelligence estimate on the security implications of climate change to give all of us an even deeper understanding of the challenge. This is the first time a president has ever done that. 
and our 17 intelligence agencies are oh. going to come together and assess exactly what the danger and damage and potential uh, risks are. Glad they're working on that. Mm-hmm. Nothing else is going on anywhere. Jesus. Incredible. Incredible. Well, the man himself uh, obviously uh, addressed the most pressing health situation in the history of our country. When we think of climate change, we think of it, this is a case where conscience and convenience cross paths, where dealing with this existential threat to the planet and increasing our economic growth and prosperity are one and the same. When I think of climate change, I think of, and the answers to it, I think of jobs. Going away, like in the <laughs> Keystone Pipeline and uh, in, in federal lands where we're fracking and uh, very soon to be other places where right now yeah. robust energy is being derived. Yeah, well, fortunately, we have uh, seen Joe Biden's record on that three-letter word, jobs, um, that he was put in charge of during the Obama administration. Right. We, so we know exactly how well that went. And we talked about this when you were wrestling uh, an evil two-and-a-half-year-old. <laughs> A key plank of our Build Back Better recovery plan is building a modern, resilient climate infrastructure. The downside, sir, of using three Bs is that it would have to be Build Back Better. That's the best we've come up with. Yes, you've got two Yaleys, six Harvard people here, and uh, two Penn people here. Uh, but that's uh, one brown person, and that's um, as good as we could get. But if, it, if alliteration is key here in um, you know, winning the meeting through marketing gimmicks, then I guess that's what we'll go with. And clean energy future that will create millions of good-paying union jobs, not seven— I love it. There's already millions of jobs created. Already they're good-paying. Already they're in unions. Wow. This is incredible, the rate at which this revolution is happening. Eight, ten, twelve dollars an hour, but prevailing wage and benefits— you know, we can put millions of Americans to work modernizing our water systems, transportation, our energy infrastructure. To so wait a second. Um, they used to qualify stuff that Trump would say, when especially when we tout stuff about the economy, mm-hmm. as without evidence. Right. Is there any without? Is there evidence for all this? Because it seems to right. me this is highly speculative. While we're deleting jobs and industries, we're speculating a little bit. And where the hell is Daniel Dale? the impacts of extreme climate. We've already reached a point where we're going to have to live with what it is now. That's going to require a lot of work all by itself without it getting any worse. Yeah, I mean, and then now we're putting Marty Walsh in charge of labor and we're talking about union jobs and prevailing wage laws. So the whole country can have construction projects that operate with the same level of efficiency and, uh, you know, speed and cost effectiveness as things do in Boston, which we all know is absolutely the height. Well, maybe one of, of those projects, maybe one of those projects can be the construction of the world's biggest inflatable rat <laughs> that we can move around the country when people uh, refuse to be bullied by. Uh, can we have uh, groups of thugs screaming obscenities and racist threats at, at small brown women? <laughs> because you know, that well, really. That's a good team. We should get some Marty stuff going for probably next week. Um, that is very good. That is good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I assume that things are going to go in a really good direction here. Um, one more uh, Gina cut I want to play because she's my pal now. Uh, Gina McCarthy, the new climate advisor, national climate advisor, Gina McCarthy, uh, sat down with Al Roker. Just in case you 
haven't marinated enough. Uh, Cloris Leachman died. Um, she was in the last picture show, among other things, I think. Um, you, you don't know who she is. It sounds like you're speaking a foreign language to me. Yeah. But that's okay. Um, Gina, uh, Gina McCarthy. Uh, I just, I love this because you can hear, not only do you hear more of these sneaky, um, progressive words that we've been mm-hmm. learning now the last couple of weeks, but it's done in such a Dorchester accent that it's it's a rarity. Jobs, executive order, oh, jobs. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So the administration, as you mentioned, laying groundwork for new climate and clean energy policies in several different sectors. How is that going to affect infrastructure going forward? And to your point, what does this mean for jobs? Well, it means millions of new jobs in clean energy, and it means opportunity. Just does. Does. Well, are you sure? Yeah, that's what it means exactly. Well, should we risk it? We can't afford not to risk it. Climate crisis. Is that we're going to lay out in this executive order that grow new jobs where the communities that have been highly dependent on energies and individual utilities will be those workers will be able to transition into jobs where they still invest and live in their own communities. We're going to talk about environmental justice communities that have been left behind and build equity as a fundamental consideration in everything we do because after all, those are the communities that been marginalized and mm-hmm. overburdened by pollution and they're in the crosshairs of not just climate change but COVID-19. Well, we well, owe investments to those communities and we're going to deliver them. We're going to deliver them. <laughs> jobs, executive order, jobs, workers, jobs. We're going to talk about that have been left behind. Those are the communities that have been marginalized, mm-hmm. overburdened and they're in the crosshairs of not just and we're going to deliver them. <laughs> God, I can't imagine. I- so they had the ability, this administration coming in, they had the ability to not be completely nuts. But so far with what we've heard, with just this, mm-hmm. with what Kerry has said and Biden said and Gina McCarthy has said, Trump never said anything that crazy at all, ever. I don't know. Ever. This is remarkable. There's nothing to this. This is just wealth redistribution. This is not how you create new industries. This is somebody... You know, indulging in a hobby, a bunch of people of a certain class indulging in a hobby mm-hmm. that will amuse them and um, satisfy their uh, conscience, mm-hmm. consciences, is it, which one is it? Consciences. Consciences, consciences, that's a tough conscience. word. I don't know. Um, but but it, it will be a uh, wasteful and fruitless. Right. You know what it's like is it's like if you live in basically I assume any town in America and you're on the Facebook page for that town, anytime there's a discussion about what should happen in the town, there's a whole bunch of people who have a lot of ideas about like what type of stores there should be in the town. You know what would do really well here? A coffee shop. It would be such good jobs. There would be jobs. It would be open. It would do such a great business if someone would just open a coffee shop. Oh, if only there were really good vegan restaurant that would do such an amazing business here how come there's no good bakery in this town if there were only a bakery somebody could really make a killing if they would open a bakery and it would do so well you know every time every time a bookstore would be amazing we just really need a bookstore in our town you know what if you want there to be a bookstore then you can go out and open a bookstore if you think somebody should invent a magical way to you know, make cars go without using any carbon that's just as cost effective as everything else where you can make affordable cars that people can actually afford to buy and you can make a viable business doing it, then you live in a free country. 
be my guest. Go start that business. Go start that business, John Kerry. You have money to invest. But no, he wants to take our money and start the business with it, you know. But every Facebook page in America is full of these people that have all kinds of really fabulous ideas about what would make a really mm -hmm. great business. And now those people are running the government. They have all sorts of ideas about what would be really great and what would make so many jobs and what would make our energy sector so great. And... You know, they know so much better than the free market does, and they're going to spend your money testing their theory. So. You're totally right about that. And you also have, and they're usually um, nicer towns like Wellesley, mm -hmm. and, and, and you also have them complaining in reverse, like, oh, great, another pizza place is moving. Like, we need another pizza place. Like, that's all we need <laughs> is know. another pizza place here. Great. So oh, maybe, another pipeline, another maybe, pizza place, right, another maybe, nail salon. Maybe the pizza guy knows a little something about pizza places. Maybe he's not going in to sell no pizzas. Maybe he's going in because he knows people want a lot of pizza. It is, it is, whatever. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. And uh, that's it. That's it. Between social justice, cons this is the administration of concepts, social justice, uh, these climate initiatives, climate uh, equality. You yeah. can add all the words, climate intersectionality, uh, justice. E equitable greenness. Environmental justice. Yes. It's all horse bleep. It's all something to teach your kid and charge them $80,000 a year for so that they can speak in concepts and eye in the sky um, style and so they can feel like they've learned something that they've elevated beyond uh, you know pedestrian level. Of uh, consciousness, and it's ridiculous. It's useless. They're going to be way too high consciousness to do a job at Market Basket bagging groceries. I can tell you, they're going to be useless. Right. And that in guy the at Market line. Basket, or that girl at Market Basket who is bagging groceries, is saving for college and will pay her own. And the Range Rover pie in the sky critical climate theory idiot <laughs> is demanding to have their college uh, refunded for them because there's not a lot of jobs in conceptual. Um, uh, equity uh, business. Well, now there's going to be lots well, of jobs in it. There'll be compliance. There'll be six compliance people to every um, green hydrogen factory there is that is somehow uh, already existing, according to John Kerry. Speaking of sycophantic idiots, Alice, I've never heard of this guy before, but uh, CNN's Frederick Plykin is a is a what's my knee is a um, is a reporter. Mm -hmm. And he is absolutely in love. I was thinking of actually writing a song about being in love with the new administration. Something I may do. But he is absolutely in love. I'm not in trouble, am I? No. Okay, good. He is absolutely <laughs> in love um, with this administration. And he's the Russia correspondent or whatever. He's talking about that Biden talked to Putin. And oh my God, it is the greatest thing in the world. This guy, Frederick, is absolutely head over heels about what happened in this conversation. And of course... Trump was an idiot when it came to Putin. First of all, Putin had bribed and owned him, and he was a Putin asset. And Trump was also an incompetent and, um, you know, had stayed at the Ritz-Carlton. Yeah, there were that. some uh, homophobic slurs thrown around about Trump and Putin, which I don't engage in because I don't have hate in my heart that right, way. Right, right. Uh, Stephen Colbert, you know, between crying fits on national TV, uh, called him Putin's something holster. So... Uh, here is uh, CNN's Frederick Pleitkin. I, I forgot who the, the host is who throws it to him. CNN's Frederick Pleitkin is live for us in Moscow. So what do they say happened on this call? <laughs> Hear that? <laughs> what? Pardon me again, Frederick? What was what was that exactly? <laughs> <laughs> what do they say happened on this call? <laughs> 
Jesus, take it easy, Frederick, okay? CNN's Frederick Plaikin is live for us in Moscow. So what do they say happened on this call? <laughs> Hi there, Allison. Well, certainly neither of them said, neither the White House nor the Kremlin said that this was a particularly friendly conversation, but they certainly did say that it... Yeah, Biden's going to be tough with those people. That's right. Yeah, he wasn't getting horn-swoggled like that idiot who just left was. It was very matter-of-fact, and it certainly does seem to have been very uh, productive. In fact, impressively productive. Both men... Agree wow! <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it my god impressively productive it seemed to be impressively productive frederick did you check it out to make sure no it seemed to be reads to extend the new start nuclear treaty and vladimir putin really something that the russians absolutely wanted right because they can't get in an arms race with us because it costs them a lot of money among other things mm -hmm. and they just gave it away yeah so biden did what putin wanted him to that's what was productive right Okay. Followed through on that very quickly, just moments after the readout came out, he sent that to Russian parliament. And just a couple of minutes before we went on the air right now, we just got confirmation that both houses of Russian parliament have actually ratified that extension. So certainly President Biden. The Russians said, holy crap, they just agreed to it with no conditions. Quick, sign track this freaking thing immediately. Sign it before someone notices and they change their right. mind. <laughs> before somebody educated comes around here and realizes that we just got screwed. Uh, managed to do something that uh, the Trump administration did not manage to do uh, in the last days that it was in office. Nevertheless, the White House saying that while there were areas where there could be cooperation, that the White House would also take a very firm stance on other areas of concern. I want to listen in to what the White House press secretary had to say. His intention was also to make clear that the United States will act firmly in defense of our national interests in response to malign actions by Russia. So there you have uh, the U.S. Uh, taking a firm stance. Some of those topics included, according to uh, the White House readout, uh, Ukraine and Ukraine sovereignty. Remember, that was uh, an issue where the Trump administration was always seeing as not being very tough on Russia. Then the solar winds hack, the possible bounties placed on American soldiers uh, by uh, Russians. That also discussed as well. And then, of course, and resolved, by the way. Of course, right now, uh, the topic of the treatment of Alexei Navalny, his poisoning, the fact that he is in prison, also the treatment of some of the protesters that are trying to get him out of jail. That was also discussed. The Kremlin acknowledged that, and the Kremlin said, quote, that um, there was an explanation provided by the Russians. So certainly, it really seems as though... Well, if the Kremlin said it, then, and by the way, we have no reason not to believe them. Jesus, Fr Friedrich Pleitkin, <laughs> come on! <laughs> so it's a whole different way of going about these calls under the Biden administration than it was under the Trump administration. And it certainly does seem to have yielded uh, some, some very early and very quick results as well. So the Russians want to limit the number of uh, aggressive weapons to 1,500. Now, we could just either bluff or actually spend them under the table keep them occupied and have them burn through their economy and their treasury wondering what we're doing a la star wars or we could simply give in right away not have that card to play and not be able to use it to leverage the russians who of course other than sanctions you know in up uh, up arming the uh, ukrainians we are limited in scope as to what we can do unless right. we can get in the ground war <laughs> what do they say happened on this call <laughs> Uh, Putin was great and Biden was great and they got together and it was wonderful. Everything, remember, they never did that. Trump didn't manage to give away the store. It took him four years and he was never able to give away the store. Ah, uh, incredible.
So should we go to yeah? Let's, Alice, you know, let's do the hard work. I'm gonna go past the view being idiots and Rick Wilson. I want to get to your buddy, Chamath Palahap, Chamath P. And uh, you set this up. I have a cut here. You there was me. two cuts. I sent you two pieces of the interview. I only have one piece. Okay. Well, anyway, so, um, basically, do you know what a Shorting a stock is. I tried to figure it out today. I don't know. I don't get it at all. But okay. you can only so basically, you can just speak to the audience and okay. I'll try to catch it. So on. you can buy stock in a company. That's one option. Or you can, a la the 2008 housing crisis, you can buy into basically a bet that some stock will go down. Right? So that's called well, taking but a well, short But where do you position. buy into bets that stocks will go down? Wall Street. It's like a just an actual bet? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Oh, so okay. that's what that's what a short position is in a stock is you buy into a fund that where you make money if the stock goes down. So it seems a lot like a bet. <laughs> so you have yeah, the over under. It is a lot like that. So that's okay. in the housing crisis. A lot of people made a lot of money when those housing funds failed because they bought short positions in those in those um, funds that were all based on those mortgages. Right. So the mortgages all defaulted and a bunch of people made a bunch of money because they had bet on Wall Street that the mortgages would default. So credit swaps. Right. So in any case, um, people buy short positions in companies that they think are going to fail, you know, as a hedge against other things or whatever. Right. It's like part of people's portfolios. And sometimes they buy a lot of money into a bet that a company is going to fail um so a lot of companies that um have been shorted a lot are like gamestop blockbuster amc cinemas companies that are failing (laughs) you could put it that way yes so gamestop if you don't know is a store that's in malls where they sell video games so it's um you know it's not exactly it's a blockbuster for games right right so long story short um you know, it was shorted out to like 130% of the company's value, including some very big name hedge funds were bought very heavily into into short positions. And this on is a GameStop. very so this is a very like Wall Street bro thing to do. I mean, kind of. It just depends. I mean, companies do it as like one thing among multiple things that they invest in. You know, it's as a hedge against other things or whatever you know you'll you'll buy some things that you'll do well if they go up and some things you'll do well if they go down and then if the whole market crashes your whole portfolio isn't gone because you hedged that some things would go down right so like there's you know it's not generally like the only thing people do but people love to hate short sellers because it is seen as sort of you know, like you're a vulture. opportunistic. Yeah, you're a vulture. Gratuitous. Like you're making money when things fail. It's mm-hmm. not really like it's not intuitive how it helps anyone. But, you know, it does kind of help in the market in it, in its own way. However, so GameStop is like really, really shorted, but it's also like bad for companies when these people buy a ton of short positions in a company. It can actually like drive down the stock price because it's like an expectations game, right? Because you're betting on it. So then it hurts the company more. So Because the people in the know are sure it's going to tank. Right. Okay. And, so, and so this company was, you know, being 
sold like this so short that people really people see it then as an opportunity like if if you think the company now is undervalued like you think GameStop actually has good fundamentals and they did just get this new executive who did Chewy.com and like he's saying he's going to turn it around with an e-commerce focus and stuff so this has been going on for a couple years and there's been people online who think that GameStop's a good bet right and there's a whole Reddit subreddit online. Good bet to recover or to good bet to recover. Okay. So they think it has strong fundamentals and is actually going to do better than this. But if people keep shorting the stock, it's going to go down regardless because it's going to, you know, drive the company down. So so people online, including in a subreddit called Wall Street Bets, where just idiots share stock tips, like random people online, day traders share stock tips with each other. Um this one guy called Deep Effing Value, who also has a YouTube channel called Roaring Kitty, he's pretty well known in the online day traders land. He he has felt for a couple years now. Is he um, an associate of Laserbeak? <laughs> I don't think he knows Laserbeak, but anyway, he's felt for a couple years now that. Uh, GameStop is undervalued and has been putting money into it and encouraging other people to put money in it because he thinks it's a good bet. Now, what I said about short selling, if a lot of people short sell, it can make a stock go down. Uh, If a lot of people buy a stock, it makes the stock go up, right? Mm -hmm. So he's been sharing this online that it's going to go up and... Uh, a lot of people started buying it and there sort of was a run on it and the stock started to go up and the people who'd been short selling it, including some big hedge funds, tried to put the brakes on it and got mad. And, you know, there's things, there's brakes on the market so that things can't change too quickly. Like they'll put a stop to trades if it seems like something's going off the rails because right. they don't want anything too wild to happen. Um So they keep trying to put the brakes on it. And then, you know, other institutional investors and stuff see the momentum. The stock is starting to go up and they all jump on board. And now all of a sudden, so much money has been dumped into this stock that it is through the roof or as the investors on Wall Street Bets like to say to the moon, which was trending on Twitter today. And a stock that a couple weeks ago was trading at five dollars is now trading at three hundred and fifty dollars. The whole the company as a whole now, according to all these people that are buying the stock, like if you just look at the valuation of the stock is worth the same amount as Best Buy is. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that would make sense. <laughs> I actually. mean, yeah, actually Best Buy is not really in that great yeah. shape either. However, GameStop is probably not worth as much as Best Buy actually. You know, this is probably being overvalued right now, but now it's turned in now so now these hedge funds though that plowed all this money into saying that um the the stock will go down they're ruined. Really? Yeah. They completely lost their shirts. They've had to be bailed out to the tune of, I think one of them was like $2.3 billion in well, a well, rescue can't, from can't its the other investors. Can't stock go back down or are, no, they just can... Ill- are they just illiquid because they're in the negative? Well, yeah. They became too illiquid. They had to sell out their positions. Dang. So they had to be now bailed out. I should not out. be um, exacting joy from this, correct? Well, so here's the thing. Okay. So- a lot of people are exacting a lot of joy from this, and the Reddit people have been exacting a lot of joy from this. And so it's like, so yesterday or two days ago, the stock was worth like $150, and this they were already ruined, and this was like a story. And now it's worth $350 because people keep plowing money into it because it's so funny to everybody that it's ruining these hedge funds. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also illegal to coordinate 
buying stocks specifically to drive the price of the stock up or down. Now, people on Wall Street do it all the time, but they do it in back rooms where they go, you know, like, hey, like, let's all short sell this company and like, then the stock will drive it down and we'll all make money. Yay. And they just say it to each other when they have like a dinner. Right. But uh, if you're saying it on Reddit, like, come on, guys, let's all buy the stock and make it go up and ruin these hedge funds. Uh, the SEC actually can go after you because that's not allowed. Like, if you're just sharing the stock tip and you're like, I think GameStop's a great company and they're going to do amazing. And like, I think Blockbuster is about to come back. Like, and you really think that? Then you can say that all day. You can share a stock tip. Like, I think if you don't have insider information or something, you can say, like, oh, like, I think the fundamentals of Blockbuster are really strong and they're about to stage a huge comeback. And I think everybody should buy Blockbuster stock. But you can't say, let's all go out and buy Blockbuster stock so that uh, we can screw with the market because that's not allowed. <coughs> um, so, so who is Chamath Pellet by people? He's a person who asked for a stock tip online the other day and everybody was like, oh, my God, buy GameStop because it's like this thing on Reddit. And he put one hundred and twenty five. He was like a Facebook investor guy. So he put one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars into GameStop, uh, sold it when it was worth five hundred thousand and then donated the whole thing to um, Barstool to fund. A bar, the Barstool Fund to save small businesses. So then he goes on to CNBC with Scott Wapner mm-hmm. is a host and Wapner is angry at him that he got oh, in this Wall game. Street's really angry about this because they feel that this is bad for the stability of the market. What these people are doing is illegal. Not like all of Wall Street isn't doing this all the time. They're just right. doing it in a way but where... But it's their racket. Yeah. And now somebody else is moving no, in no, their no, territory no, 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 with no, no. a new racket yeah. and they don't like that. They've so, got this game... Yeah, I mean, and this has gotten huge. All the investing apps like Robinhood, all the apps that you can go on and buy your own stock have been crashing all day because so many people are now trying to log on and buy all these stocks like AMC movie theater stocks and stuff. TD Ameritrade cut off trading in GameStop and AMC theaters today. Now, here's something. I mean, it's something you didn't see coming, isn't it? So, yeah. So that guy, the one who, uh, Roaring Kitty or Deep Effing Value, um, he had put over the course of his time saying that he thought GameStop was great. He had put $52,000 into GameStop and over the course of 17 months, it became $11 million. That bastard. <laughs> <laughs> hey, All right. So let's listen to Chamath, Pal- Chamath P and Scott Wapner. And mm-hmm. Scott is angry at Chamath for getting in this, uh, this Reddit centered GameStop action. Degree can see their stocks rise in this magnitude, and all of that is just fine? That there's nothing wrong with the integrity of the system if that is occurring? The the lack of integrity in the system is the precursor that caused GameStop to be sold short 136% and for people to try to pile on and destroy a company in front of our eyes. That, to me, feels wrong. That feels pretty un-American, if you ask me. I think GameStop is a reasonable business. You know, I think what they do is reasonable. And so the fact that they shouldn't be allowed to exist because all of a sudden, like, we decide that they should be in, obliterated into the ground. Well, they, they should be allowed to exist. To they, they should be allowed to exist at whatever their stock is should be valued at based on what their earnings are. And the stock was like the free market seventeen, eighteen dollars not that long ago. Who says that? Who says that? Are you, do you want to make the same argument about Tesla? It's gone 10x in a few months. You don't know what it's worth. Let's be honest. Okay, you, and you don't money. you don't think that Tesla's growth prospects? Scott, I, have, I have Scott. I have my own model for the company. I'm allowed to underwrite however I want to own it. Everybody that bought that stock is also underwriting how they want to own it. And the point is, 
just because you're wrong doesn't mean you get to change the rules, especially when when you were wrong, you got bailed out the last time. That's not fair. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that that these these investors who were short the stock were necessarily wrong. I mean, I still haven't heard I still haven't heard you tell me what the fundamental case is for GameStop at 350 or AMC theaters, which are have been closed for months and months and months, is, is worth what the stock's trading at now or any number of these things, the way that they're trading. There, there's no fundamental reason why they're there. They're trading because there's this momentum cohort behind it, whether it's on Reddit or Robin Hood or wherever else. But why? But Scott, why? Why is that all of a sudden so wrong to you? This kind of momentum trading, because, for example, if you look under the hood on every quant strategy, organized, quantitative, strategic hedge funds on Wall Street, those things are all momentum shops. They trade day over day. It seems to me that this is this is a, a racket envy, and the old gang just got uh, pushed out by the new gang. Yeah. Uh, and I I have tr- trouble not gleaning joy, Alice, mm-hmm. uh, from this. I think mm-hmm. I like this. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of likable. Yeah, this stock is not going to stay up this high. Right. I mean, it, it seems to me, maybe I'm wrong, who knows. But, um, but and there are going to be people who are going to jump in now and go like, yes, let's all drive GameStop up and who are going to jump in and buy stock and then be ruined when it does eventually fall. So that is probably going to happen, um, which is why like a lot of people, there have been people now calling for Congress to step in like this shouldn't be allowed. We need to add fees for trades to make it more expensive for people. It's too well, what, what if it went? Although, what if it went the market basket route in the consumers mm-hmm. out of a sense of loyalty? Sustained GameStop, yeah. And I think there's a case. We were at an AMC theater uh, recently during the shutdown, and um, and you know, I think there's a case to be made that movie theaters can be saved, and I think that. That it's really sort of true to say that, like, because the pandemic and the government reaction to it has destroyed some of these businesses that and then, you know, short sellers have hyped and speculated down the stock to nothing that the businesses should then disappear. Like, I think that there's an argument to be made. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't be trying to manipulate stocks just to drive up the price to screw over hedge funds. But if you think that there's a value to the business and it should stick around, then you buy the stock. That's what makes sense, right? Like, that's not wrong. And I think that these people, they're absolutely... Ooh, can we do this to Sam Adams? Um, I think their stock is already like pretty well valued. I don't think they're a company that's in trouble. How do I make my eight hundred dollars into six million? Well, you find a company that's uh being sold really short, which there are lists of them going around, and everybody's trying to buy them all day today. So <laughs> I yeah. mean, so I the missed the train. Day, I missed the train, Alice. Yeah, but that's okay. I'm fine with. So that. you're saying that Congress may have to act, but they want to th- stop regular people from getting in right. on this game because well, it's it's bad that it, you know when they speculate and screw up the markets, that's fine and good. But when regular people speculate and screw up the markets, that's not good. So so the most honest uh, press person in the world, Jen Psaki, was asked about this stuff today. And the forthrightness, the honestness, the uh, contrite and informative way she answered, uh, we've uh, grown to expect from her. Is the White House concerned about the stock market activity we're seeing around GameStop? 
um, and now with some other stocks as well, uh, including the, the subsidiary or whatever, the, the company that was uh, Blockbuster. Um, and have there been any conversations with the SEC about uh, how to proceed? Well, um, I'm also happy to repeat that we have the first female Treasury Secretary and a team that's surrounding her. And well, that's great to know, Jen. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, we got a first. The answer is there's a first female Treasury Secretary. Isn't that great? End of answer. Thank you. You can go now. Thank you. <laughs> Inequities, first intersectionality, um, racial insecurity, um, food insecurity, food apartheid. Okay. Now take all those things, put them in a sentence, and go back to the Washington Post, please. I'm done here. And often questions about market we'll send to them. But our team is, of course, our economic team, including Secretary Yellen and others, are monitoring uh, the situation. It's a good reminder, though, that the stock market isn't the only measure of the health of our, of our economy. It doesn't reflect how working and middle class families are doing. Uh, as you all know from covering this, we're John Kerry just told me that the stock market loved all of the new green energy, mm -hmm. and that was a very important indicator. In the midst of a K-shaped recovery, America's workers are struggling to make ends meet, which is why the president has introduced this urgent package to get immediate relief to families. All right, I'm going to go. And she leaves. That was a really good and honest, forthright, accurate, pertinent to the question mm -hmm. answer. Thank you very much, Jen Psaki. <laughs> Thank God the liars are out of the White House. I think Trump would probably have had a better answer about what was going on with GameStop. Than you don't think Jen that he's did. sitting on the beach buying it right now? <laughs> Um, before we go, uh, I, I, I feel like the SS Fauci is listing, um, and not listing stocks. He's listing as in like meeting, a boat, yes. like a boat. I guess SS should have done that unless it meant, uh, you know, the Nazis. Mm -hmm. so, okay. So, uh, John Roberts gets Fauci on Fox news today and finally, asks him a tough question. Dr. Fauci, you said in, in the last couple of days that when it comes to the vaccine, supply will not meet the demand, which is language that's a lot different than what we saw just a few minutes, uh, months ago in the closing days of the Trump administration. You were part of it back then. I, I don't want to go back and rehash the Trump administration, but what I, I would like to know is, was there a number of months ago a comprehensive plan developed by the White House to distribute this vaccine because a former Obama administration is saying that things were a mess uh, when the Biden administration took over. If they, if they were a mess, you were part of that team. So what was in place at that time? Yeah, well, John, I really don't want to go back and rehash that. That is not. Yeah, I'm not interested in answering that question. It makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, anything else? Productive. It's not productive, he says. Huh. I thought that you were supposed to be receptive, transparent, and uh, accountable to questions about the performance of the former administration's COVID team, which you were the marquee part of. One of the things that part of Operation Warp Speed was a plan to be able to get vaccine in what uh, General Perna, Gus Perna, who was in charge mm -hmm. of that. Who failed, dropped the ball, by the way. Not me, not me. The Fauci part of this we won't be talking about. Get it out in a cadence of getting the vaccine out, getting it shipped, getting it distributed, and getting it into the places where it was supposed to be. In the beginning, there were some missteps there because there was a discrepancy about what was being... In the beginning, there was some missteps there. <laughs> the same way is not like made by any specific. No, people. we we happened upon it like uh, the settlers did Niagara Falls one day, and there it was. In the beginning, there it was. Missteps, guys. 
out of nowhere. Determined to go out and what was getting into people's arms. So right now, what we're trying to do is to get a broader plan. But a lot of a lot of good things did happen with Operation Warp Speed. And Just- those things I will include myself in. The extraction of me out of your question is over. I'm back in. During those months, several months ago. Right now, let's look forward about what the president, President Biden, has said, how we're going to try and get as many doses into yeah. as many people as, as quickly as we possibly can. And that's why he has his plan, which I want to emphasize is a floor, not a ceiling. Oh, Jesus. Well, the new me has new cliches. And by the way, that old Dr. Fauci, that wasn't me. That's what I'm going with now. That simply wasn't me. Oh, my God. What a bunch of incompetence uh, in the White House, a bunch of incompetence covering the White House. What do they say happened on this call? (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. And in the meantime, cancel culture is continuing on, going strong. A literary agent was um, fired from her her literary agency because um, she has an account on Parler and Gab. Just simply an account. She has an account on there, and oh, they well, fired her. Well, she's Q- that means she's QAnon Q- Nazi. Yeah, QAnon Nazi white supremacist. So she's done. Thankfully, they got rid of her from her job, so we won't have to hear from her anymore. Um, and also, in a less likely uh, target for cancel culture, um, a, a an elementary school in San Francisco is going to be renamed. Uh, it was named for Senator Dianne Feinstein. Um, because in 1984, she um, replaced a damaged Confederate flag rather than getting rid of it entirely. Yes, and this was during an exhibition of flags in San Francisco, and there were a bunch of different flags. One of them grew to be tattered, so mm-hmm. she replaced it. It was a, it was an exhibit of flags, and right. she replaced it in 1984. And for so that, that, by my count, that's like 36 years yes, ago. Yes, they're also getting rid of Lincoln schools and Muir schools, M U I R schools, mm-hmm. and all sorts of other schools. Congratulations, we suck. Um, for now, you can still find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod. We haven't been canceled quite yet. Um, we are also on Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. You can send us an email, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out our YouTube channel, too. We're on YouTube, Tom Shattuck's Burn Barrel. <laughs> you can uh, see the uh, video versions of these podcasts. You can comment on the videos, and you can like and subscribe. Say la vie. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.